0: Good afternoon, everyone. This is uh, Mason Wilson. I'm here from the war room to the boardroom. Uh, this podcast, we're going to be talking about preparing transition with Jerry Bernardo. My background, I'm a global business strategy and operations, go-to-market ads policy at Google, combat veteran, Duke MBA, and West Pointer. Jerry and I will be talking about his path transitioning out of the Army and into technology through finance. Jerry is a part of the cross-company strategic initiatives team at Meta, formerly Facebook, and is also an angel investor. Prior to his time at Meta, Jetty was the chief of staff at both Hewitt Packard Enterprises and Chargepoint. He also served as an air defense artillery officer and a West Point diversity admissions officer. He's a graduate of uh, West Point and Columbia Business School. So without further delay, I'll let Jerry kind of talk about himself and uh, our longtime relationship.
1: Yeah. I, I appreciate the uh, the intro, Is It's always a pleasure to talk to you, man. Uh... Yeah, so in terms of our relationship, like, I mean, you know, like, I've known you now for years, man. I remember seeing you as a, uh, as a high school student at OMI, and when I was a cadet, and, and now here you are, man, just doing great things. Uh, I love to see it. But in, in terms of my background, born in San Francisco, raised in Oakland, went to uh, West Point Undergrad. And what was interesting about my experience, like my dad was in the Air Force. My grandfather was in the Army's and the Red Ball Express in, in World War II. Um, but what really kind of drew me toward the military was my experience in JROTC. Um, I did that at Skyline High School. I did it for four years. And I was getting ready to graduate. I said, you know what? Like, what do I want to do with this? Like, I really like this. I feel like I'm kind of good at it. I'd, I'd like to pursue a career. And this, even for just a little bit. And I learned about West Point through, God rest his soul, Colonel, Colonel uh, William Schwartz. And he helped just kind of guide me through the process. And I got in and super hyped. And my mom said, absolutely not. <laughs> but then what ended up happening is we visited the academy. She got the opportunity to see the different um, Uh, just different things it offered, man, the different support systems it offered and opportunities. And she was like, oh yeah, okay, that's what this is. Yes, a hundred times yes. Even won the most spirited competition at the West Point Parents Club like event. So that that visit definitely helped. Uh, But yeah, like I said, I went to West Point, majored in econ. Uh, My track there was mechanical engineering. And I was an air defender, and my last job in the military, which kind of ties in to how I ended up approaching finance and then tech, was uh, an outreach officer. I was, I was in the outreach office, and what we did was I flew around the country and really kind of spread the word about West Point and helped guide young candidates through the process, specifically African-American, Hispanic-American, and Native-American. And through that process, I just met a lot of grads and a lot of them had MBAs and a lot of them were like doing great things from marketing to finance, to sales, to operations. And I said, man, like, I don't know anything about this. Like, how do you guys make this transition? I started learning about the degree in itself and the opportunity that it, that it posed. And I said, ah, I think I want to do this. So as I pursued it more, um, I found a bunch of different people, different mentors that I had, had an MBA, and a lot of them went through this program called MLT Management Leadership for Tomorrow, which kind of helps guide you through the process a little bit better, provides you a, uh, a coach, and helps with your essays, and does all these different things. And it really kind of helped me hone in on what it was that I wanted to do, which ultimately ended up initially being financed, which uh, eventually led me to Columbia Business School. And after Columbia, I-, I realized, you know what? I really want to do something that will be a-, a market that is growing precipitously and that will get me back to the San Francisco Bay Area. <laughs> so I said, like, you know what? Technology it is. Um, I was fortunate enough to get a... Uh, A fellowship through Bank of America Merrill Lynch, Um, and that's what effectively allowed me to get that investment banking internship, and then kind of sent me back to the Bay,
0: and that's how I got back there in my first role. And you brought up a lot of great points Uh, for the most part. You know, I've been your protege throughout this process from Alpha to admissions to business school to you know trying investment banking, knowing it wasn't for me, and then ending back up in in tech, both on the kind of the big tech side. And so, just really curious in terms of your experience, you kind of talked about your path into West Point. Can you talk about what was that decision to leave, and kind of what sparked that? Yeah,
1: that wasn't an easy decision. I don't think it's an easy decision for anybody, but for me, it was um, it was pretty big because, I mean, I, I I felt like being there at West Point as an admissions officer, um, it was such a meaningful experience to really help these kids transition and I thought to myself you know I can I can stay in but I'm going to go to a different role I don't know if I'm going to have the same type of fulfillment there and I remember kind of the moment when I realized I didn't want to be in the military anymore I wanted to transition to a different path as I woke up I put on my uniform you know I woke up showered put on my uniform same thing I did every day I looked in the mirror and then I imagined, what if it, I had a kernel rank on my shoulder instead of captain? right? Would I be happy? Would I feel like I pursued the thing that really brought me the most joy or really was something that I ultimately wanted to do? And I said, I don't know if I would. I would feel like, hey, what if? What if I had gotten out and gone this route or that route? And I realized to myself, I think it might be time to go. That was a difficult decision, difficult decision in a, a lot of different ways. But once I did make that decision, it did give me a bit more focus because I said, OK, and this is any advice I give to anybody to think about getting out. I need a plan. So at that point, I looked forward and said, OK, if I'm going to actually verbalize this, especially to my uh to my then commander, my senior raider. It's like, okay, well, what am I going to do? How am I going to make this transition? And I started more actively kind of like researching and determining what route I wanted to go and what made the most sense for me. And I talked about MLT beforehand and I, I literally got all the vault guides, right? They have these things called vault guides, V-A-U-L-T. And you can read up on consulting, on marketing, on investment banking, on private equity, on venture capital, I just started reading through all of them just to try to kind of understand what's really out there for me to do. And a lot of my mentors, uh, one of the people you had on this podcast beforehand, uh, Omar Ritter, he uh, was a financier himself. He's like, hey, you know, you should consider investment banking. It's a good way to start your career. And when I read up on that, I was like, you know what? Maybe this is the right path for me, which again is something else I would tell people like, you should have a mentor through this process whether it's somebody who has transitioned out and can help reach back and help you kind of figure out what you want to do. Or even if it isn't that person, it can be any veteran that you don't really know. Like veterans tend to help veterans. So if you reach out to somebody, whether it be LinkedIn or do a secondary or tertiary contact, they might tell you what you need to know, but it it takes some time and energy to kind of figure that out. So like for me, like Omar... Uh, It really helped me kind of understand what investment banking was all about. And I mean, be totally candid, he made me write essays about it. And he would look at my essays and be like, you don't know what you're talking about. He made me do it a couple of times. But it was good for me because I actually narrowed down and truly understand what it was about without actually doing it. And he was able to make the connects for me so I can have these informational interviews to learn about all different facets of the bank whether it was sales and trading, or whether it was investment banking, uh, in coverage, or an M&A. Like I started to understand more and more and more and more. And, and I really owe it to him, before, to all the connects they made and the information that he gave me through that entire process. And if I had to sum it all up like three things, have a plan, right? Have a mentor. If you don't have either of those, Get a program, whether it's MLT or SkillBridge or it's Breakline Tech. Figure out a program that will help you make the transition so you're not just a guy in a nice suit armed with motivation because there's so many other people out there and you need something to kind of ensure that you understand what you're getting to and kind of sets
0: you apart. For our listeners, can you help them understand... At least for most MBAs that are veterans that get out, they typically go into finance or consulting. Why is that kind of the, the typical transition point or usual career path? And would you have made a different choice to go directly in? Like, what were those skill sets or experience you needed to have to be where you are now, if that makes sense? So, a few
1: things with that, right? So, military officers are typically used to a fairly linear career path. And with investment banking, a lot of banks, it's like you graduate from business school, you go to the bank, you're an associate. Like Then like a year later, you're a second year. And then a year later, you're a third year. A year later, you're promoted VP. And then it just cycle repeats and you're promoted to director and cycle repeats. And it is so straightforward that all you have to do is continue to perform. All you have to do, you do have to continue to perform But the path is clear and you can see your path toward incremental pay raises as well as incremental promotions. So that's part of the reason why. Then also, it is, it's hard. And and, and army officers or military officers in general typically like to pick the things that are very challenging. So investment banking is hard. Consulting is hard. They're both hard for different reasons, right? But uh, I think a lot of the, like the long hours, the intense amount of studying, like investment banking in particular is unique in that you're taking what would be like two, maybe three years of learning and job experiencing and compressing it into one because the hours are so long. You spend a large portion of your day researching, reading on different companies, different uh, industries and sub-industries, different verticals everywhere, learning about them, writing was effectively a research presentation slash proposal on that, doing it over and over and over and over and building that expertise super quickly. And that's a difficult thing to do. But the intangibles that we possess, the work ethic, the attention to detail, right? The integrity, meaning, hey, I screwed this up. I need to fix this. We become dependable workers in that, in that way, right? We Like people give us stuff and they say, hey, I know Jerry's going to knock this out because he's got the, the qualities. He's going to be here until the job is done. And that's a lot of reason why like, military officers tend to go toward that. And you know, comparatively, make a lot of money, right? Like, so I'm not gonna set that aside, like, that's not a big deal, but like,
0: the juxtaposition is profound in that regard as well. And how does that compare to the world that you're in now with tech, where it tends to be a bit, let's say, flatter, uh, a bit more, we'll say, asymmetrical, not necessarily as hierarchical in the process? Can you talk about that transition and like? What do you do to navigate that? Yeah, so I think it's easier to answer this question if I kind of talked
1: about how I went from investment banking to where I am today. So first and foremost, if you're an investment banker, you better have a plan. If you want to be a banker and you want to be a banker forever, awesome. You got it, you're good, you're where you're going to be. If you do not and you plan on using it as a stepping stone, you should be taking the necessary steps throughout as practical to set yourself up to progress. So whether that's like every time you do a deal writing down, Hey, I did this deal and you see my office right here. I have like eight deal toys sitting right over here, but I was very deliberate in like making a list of the things I want to accomplish. Hey, I want to do a deal on hardware. I want to do a deal with software. I want to do buy side. I want to do sell side. I want to do an IPO. And I was checking them off the list and as time progresses, it makes sense to actually say, okay, now I've done everything I wanna do. It's part of my overall plan to get where I wanna be. I need to take that next step. I have the, the network necessary, I have the experience necessary, ready, go. For me, it wasn't that straightforward. I kind of got lost in the sauce a little bit, but I knew what I wanted to uh, do after investment banking is learn how these big strategic decisions were made absent a financial vehicle. I wanted to literally sit in the room with these execs as they made these decisions. And as they uh, they talked to one another and as like these really big moves were made. And I said, how can I do that? And, and hopefully as quickly and as expediently as I can in investment banking. And lo and behold, I got an email from two mentors. I said, hey, there's this role here at HPE. You should throw your name in the hat. Then I got an email from MLT. Hey, Jerry is this role. HPE, She throw your name in the hat. And it was for the chief of staff to the then chief operating officer of Hewlett Packard Enterprise. And he was looking for someone who was a military officer, someone who went to a top 10 business school and did investment banking or consulting. And it's within two years of graduating from business school. So, and If you had asked me, and I think you did beforehand, hey, would you do investment banking again? Like that was—I want to say—it was a pleasant experience. I was tired all the time, and I missed on a ton of birthdays, ton of dates. Like it's crazy how I'm still married. I'm like, thank God for Andrea. But I will say, I would not have had the opportunity had I not gone through that gauntlet. And the skill set necessary, the understanding of multiples and how they apply to different companies, Now, how to do an M&A process or an IPO, how all that works came from investment banking. So I interviewed like nine times and got the role and ended up at HB Enterprise, where I was chief of staff and, you know, a lot of different the flavors there, right? You have your, I'm an EA chief of staff. Purely administrative, you your, I'm very strategic, I'm an operator, chief of staff, right? I was somewhere right here. And we did a bunch of different, um, we did like in, in a, a few different m as a lot of different projects, strategic projects. I followed them around and learned like firsthand how these decisions were made, how we engaged with alliance partners and customers. It was like a crash course in being an executive. And eventually, I migrated to MicroFocus alongside him as part of an M&A when he became CEO of Microfocus Focus, stepped down as CEO of HP Enterprise. I stepped down as his chief of staff and onto a strategy and operations team where I did a whole, mainly uh, M&A integration, right? Went around the entire company trying to find waste that I could mitigate or find revenue or optimize. It was a, it was a great experience. Very different from investment banking, though. Investment banking, someone may give you a project, right, and it's something that you have done before, so the muscle's kind of built. This role was very understand, identify, execute. It's more, hey, there's this problem that I might or might not have faced before. I have to figure out what the tangible information associated with it is, the pertinent information, identify the actual underlying issue and problem and figure out a way to solve it and make a recommendation, typically to Chris. That is not as straightforward always. And it typically involves a ton of of engaging with the cross-functional teams. It's very different than investment banking. But I will say the fundamentals of finance and corporate finance and accounting that I have from investment banking, Really kind of helped me understand the numbers a bit, but especially the Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> like I can dig into some Excel. And if it weren't for an investment bank, I wouldn't be able to do that. But after a microfocus, right, Chris eventually stepped down as CEO and pursued something different. And I thought to myself, well, what do I want to do now? And I ended up being introduced to ChargePoint through their lead investor. I interviewed with the CEO. And I realized, hey, this is a really great fit. And not to mention, I said, you know what? I think I should cut my teeth this startup thing because this is the only bit of, of experience I think I, I hadn't had from a type of company standpoint. So I ended up at ChargePoint and ChargePoint was a very different animal. And ChargePoint, literally like, it was like at that point, I think I was employee number 407 and they were very like fast moving, typically love, them, love to make these decisions quickly and just like running around trying to figure it out a lot of the times, right? But in this role, I was a little bit more senior in my career and I kind of knew what I was doing much more so than when I left investment banking. I didn't really have that experience. So my role was threefold. And this is where I think military officers do well in this kind of general management type roles. I brought order to chaos. I was a thought partner, and I was a force multiplier. And through those three things, I helped bring a whole lot of structure and a lot of optimization, a lot of productivity, um, and just a lot of just kind of helping out with overall goals. Keeping people laser focused was most important. So came to came uh, to Meta after COVID and everything like that, Then Facebook, now Meta. And if I had to explain what I do in a few words, it's it's our our team is responsible for two things here at Meta. Very similar, I would say, to what I was doing at ChargePoint, but we are responsible for going from zero to one or going from one to completion. So they typically bring us in when there is a an idea that needs to be well, ideated, and needs to be uh, driven toward actual strategy. And when we put together the strategy and deliver it back and put together recommendations, sometimes folks ask us to drive that to to conclusion. Sometimes there are projects that are blocked and have been blocked for a significant amount of time. We do those projects as well. We will take those on. We will unblock them. We'll re-strategize, reorient. And we will be uh, acceleration vectors. Typically, the projects and programs that come to our team, though, come from senior executives. So that's typically what we do. It's an internal corporate strategy team. So very different. Very different than investment banking. Two different skill sets. But again, the intangibles are there. The work ethic, the attention to detail. The ability to think abstractly, the ability to autonomously do work. I don't know if you've ever read Message to Garcia, but your ability to just take something and run with it, that all those intangibles are exactly the same. So regardless if you're doing strategy or you're
0: doing finance, you've got the intangibles. They're there. And typically from investment banking, like what are those usual exit, you mentioned the exit timeline, what does usually exit either functional areas or jobs, especially since I guess technology has kind of these ambiguous titles. And so sometimes it can be a bit hard to delineate. Is it, you know, I go into corporate strategy, do I go into corp dev? Is it more M&A, chief of staff? Like what are those opportunities and why do those look different?
1: Yeah, so... Investment banking is an analyst right out of college. You have a ton of different options. Typically, guys will go into VC or private equity, but it's a set program. They essentially be there for two years and do your thing. But when you're coming out of an MBA, investment banks hire you to in hopes that eventually you'll be an MD, right? So they don't have a program for you. What people typically do though is they'll go to like a corp dev role, which is effectively like M and A for internal M&A for a company. Um, if they don't do that, if they can finagle their way into VC or PE, that's cool. But doing that is more non-traditional because typically they'll take the analysts instead and in their set program instead of an MBA associate. Those tend to be the more difficult things to do. Migrating from investment banking to a strategy role, especially in technology, tends to be very difficult because typically folks want you to do something finance related because that's what they think your skill set is, even though you may have skill sets and strategy. But there are specific frameworks that aren't really used as prevalently within investment banking that are used in, in like consulting, for example. So if you were to try to go to a Google or to a Meta or to any technology company and try to do strategy, a lot of times they would expect you to have consulting experience. So you could have those uh, those frameworks and have, have executed them before and it's not super foreign to you. So I don't wanna say the exit opportunities are limited because they're not. In theory, you could do whatever you wanna do. Like You don't really need to follow a set path, but Trying to make a substantial pivot requires some explaining of your background and your skill set that wouldn't necessarily be there if you did go with uh, a different route like consulting or something along those lines.
0: Very helpful. And then along those lines, can you kind of break out the different title structure and like what that means? Like if you were to take chief of staff at HPE or ChargePoint, what does that look like for a military officer? Is that like more of an XO? Is it similar to like, you're your currently chief of staff for the general? Like, what does that actually mean to like a young lieutenant captain transitioning out?
1: Right. If you're early in your career and you take a chief of staff role, typically it's going to be like an aide to camp. That's what that's going to be. If you are a little bit later on in your career, it's going to be more like an XO. It's going to be more COO-ish than chief of staff-ish. And really good ones, those who have, you know, the necessary experience can actually then almost elevate themselves, right, from an execution standpoint to where their executive trusts them to speak on their behalf, uh, whether it be in meetings or in anything else in particular, a internal or external, make decisions, Right. Or at least say, hey, I know what insert executive would want, and this is what she would probably want. And that's kind of the tangible difference between the two. And I think but it's an important distinction because not all chiefs of staff are created equally. And you need to know where you are in your career in terms of and what you want in your career and what you're capable of doing. Because if you're super senior in your career, you don't want to end up being a glorified note taker. And but if you're super junior, you don't want to bite off more than you can chew, because if, if they come to you like, OK, fresh out of the army, lieutenant, we want you to put together this entire partnerships organization. Uh, go ahead. Ready, set, go. You might be able to figure it out, but boy, will there be a learning curve. So it's important, again, that introspection,
0: man, to make sure that you, you go for kind of where you want to go for And then transitioning from the military into some of these very high profile roles, can you talk about changing your management and leadership style to reflect those organizations and kind of the change in authority or cross-functional dynamics that tech or IB has compared to, you know, being a captain or lieutenant in the army? Oh, my God. So, yes. Yes, I can. So, there's this
1: term in tech, TLDR stands for too long, didn't read. It's like, well, bottom line up front, TLDR, no one's going to do what you tell them. That's just the reality. So the ability to lead with influence is super important. I think it's really important to understand that building, like being an empathetic leader is important because a lot of times your leadership is going to be very informal. Is hey, Jerry, work with these team of people to do this. You don't, they don't report to you, they might report to the person that told you to do that, but in the end, you can't tell them what to do. And the easiest way to kind of alter your leadership style is to say, hey, you know, like, can we work together to do this? You know, help me understand what we need to do here or there, right? Really be empathetic. See, value their opinion, value their expertise. And when you're actually doing something you need them to, Ask them to do something. It seems intuitive, but in the military, we're so used to knife-handing things that when we get into the uh, civilian, the corporate world, where people can just tell you to blow off and many times not have anything go wrong or maybe even get you in trouble, we typically do get in trouble. It takes a whole lot of like stepping back and saying, okay, how can I be very... Their, like change my approach so people find me as an approachable individual and want to actually work with me. And that takes some time and it takes some proving, right? To show that you can actually do that. But I think if you can still demonstrate that you have the work ethic, you are an empathetic leader and you want to work with people, not have them working for you, right? Then you'll, you'll find yourself very successful. I would dare say even the folks that work for you, Typically, a lot of these folks are very, very successful and well educated and smart in their own right. They don't want to be ordered around. So you have to talk to people in the exact same way. Again, remember, no one's in the army. They can always quit. So understand it is really important to, to engage
0: in a little bit more friendly way. And then as you kind of reflect both on your corporate journey and your transition journey, kind of want to focus on the kind of lessons learned. And so you mentioned a couple of different programs. Were there any other resources that you used? You mentioned the Vault Guides, I think a couple of times. Um, I know this is really helpful for like rankings and like firms. What other resources did you use to kind of navigate that path? (laughs) I use mentors.
1: So one thing I didn't mention is when I was trying to learn about banking, about business school, I did over 40 informational interviews. And a lot of times it was me looking up, whether it was on LinkedIn or D, which is for Academy graduates. I would literally find somebody who worked at X corporation or went to X business school. And that was a grad. And I would cold email them asking if I could talk to them on the phone. I was and a lot of times... That's what kind of helped me learn what I I need to know. Like very few times, very few, can I even think of someone like just completely blowing me off and not helping Like They almost always reach out. So don't underestimate the power of sheer motivation and enthusiasm. If you reach out to somebody in the right way, humbly asking them for their time, like 90% of the time, they're going to help you. And, and that's what I kind of learned. And that's kind of the way like I at least built up this repository of knowledge about investment banking in particular, and then other, other aspects of, of being in, uh, in business school or leaving business school, other different routes where it'd be consulting and marketing and all that. So I kind of figured out investment banking might be the right path for me. That was probably
0: the biggest thing I did was just talk to people. Are there any books or resources that you recommend? I know uh, there's a couple of books I think Omar mentioned that like like the Michael Lewis, like Flash, like Flash Boys and kind of some of those others. Do you have any like books or podcasts that you recommend, especially if you want to like bone up on finance or kind of a finance for dummies situation? Yeah, so
1: finance. Um, so Flash Boys, I understand why you say that, but if you want to be a trader, it probably makes sense for you to read that book. When it comes to um, investment banking proper, I'm, I'm not sure if there's any books I read about investment banking. I just did TTS and I read the votes, training the street and read the vote guy. Um Training the street was really helpful for me just from a an overall functional standpoint to so my ability to use Excel and to build models, etc., and the vault guy just taught me what I need to know about investment banking at, at like a cursory level and then why I need to understand from the interview standpoint. Um, but the overwhelming preponderance of my knowledge came through talking to people. Now, as I progress toward technology and angel investing, lean, uh, the Lean Startup is probably like one of my favorite books. I'm rereading it right now. It, it's one of the things I just... I guess I just, I, I love the thought process there and just building a product first to learn and then once determining, like you've learned what you need to, making the actual pivot uh, to, to maximize your propensity for success. I really, just really love the book and, and I love rereading it. Then just general strategy. I like case in point. I think this was something that I recommended to you. Oh, yeah as well and those are like kind of stereotypical business school books um ones that aren't though the art of war my son ju very helpful you would you would definitely not think it was but i read that probably read that once every couple of years and then also i haven't read it in a while but like so a mentor of mine told me it's kind of like the supervillain's handbook, I think so, uh, the 48 Laws of Power, if yeah. my memory serves me correctly. So those are awful, also helpful, but like it's an interesting book. They get kind of dark depending upon uh, <laughs> depending upon how you approach it.
0: But yeah. Oh great, nuggets. I'll, I'll make sure I add those to my own list along those lines. How do you navigate the space differently in your experience you know, as a Black man, as a father, as a husband, whether it's making that transition into business school or entering into finance or into technology? How does your experience, say, differ from, say, that of your peers? Is there anything that you're more mindful of or communication changes that you make? Any thoughts okay. there? There's always
1: code switching, man. But I mean, you've known me long enough. This is kind of how I normally talk anyway. Yeah. Uh, so for me it, it wasn't as bad but realistically whether it's finance whether it's technology like you're going to look to your left you are look to your right and almost all the time you're going to be the only one in the and you got to get used to that it can feel lonely at times I'm not going to lie and why I kind of navigated that though man is I, I really tried to build a network of like brothers like myself who just kind of found themselves in the same place professionally. So, you know, you have almost kind of like an outlet, you know what I mean? Because you can feel kind of alone sometimes and when you feel alone, any mistake you make is magnified, not just by your superiors, but by yourself. You're really hard on yourself because you're like, I'm here representing me. I made this mistake. And it was not my mistake, it's every other black man's mistake. And the reality is, there might be a little bit of truth to that, but you shouldn't beat yourself up so bad on that, right? I mean, you should find ways to to get an outlet for that stress, that loneliness, you know? And then also just in terms of navigating it, I am super big on preparation. And when you're Black and you're a veteran, those are two things that are not super prevalent, especially in technology companies. So for me, if there's a role that I saw, I would look at that role. I'd copy paste into Excel spreadsheet. I look at all the qualifications, all the responsibilities. And I made sure I had a bullet in my resume directly corresponding to all of them. I would have to write a cover letter as well. I wouldn't I necessarily have to, but I would, regardless of they read it or not, because I wanted always as best as possible to be over-prepared. And then after that, man, people like to say, oh, you know, you make your own luck because luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Yeah, but there's an execution element in that, right? Like you can have be super lucky and get this interview, your dream job, still have to execute. So like that execution portion, super important, man. Super important. So like I really make sure I, I not just have the, the preparation necessary, but as I go into seizing those opportunities, I do my best to execute at the highest level possible. I'm very cognizant of it. And sometimes, I mean, total transparency, I'm probably harder on myself than I need to be. But I, I think that just kind of goes like part and parcel with being a motivated and driven person.
0: Now, I feel that. I feel that daily in my experience. But that's, that's very helpful. Along those lines, as you kind of reflect on your transition journey, whether that's out of the military or into finance or into tech, Is there anything that you would change or do differently Um, that could be from planning, that could be from an education or certification standpoint, Um, any elements like that that you would do better or differently? I would say that when I was
1: in business school, I really like their folks, it it was all saying like, hey, you're either partying, you're studying or you're networking, right? Right. Or it's like you're doing two of the three. You're not doing all three at the same time. Like if, it were up, if I could go back, I probably would have rounded out my electives a little bit more with strategy because I focused in on, on the corporate finance, different uh, classes and stuff like that, I really kind of honed in on things I thought made sense given uh, you know, my eventual path toward investment banking. But I really should stop and think like, hey, like maybe I should take this opportunity to really dive deep into strategy just in case I make a pivot or just in case I happen to need this for one way, one reason or another. Because my focus was so heavy on finance and technology, I, I just didn't stop to think, like, man, maybe there's a maybe there's something else that's important. Outside of that, I mean, I followed kind of the path right out of business school that I thought was the best, but I did I didn't have the fully built out plan post business school. I thought I knew what I wanted to do, but I only prepared for the investment banking portion. What I thought I wanted to do after that, I made zero preparations toward. I was like, well, you know, it'll probably work itself out. It's like, ah, not so much, and. Actually taking the steps to think that through very deliberately would have saved me a lot of pain and a lot of heartache because, yeah, I was fortunate enough to get that role as the chief of staff, the COO at HP Enterprise, but what I didn't mention is I had done probably like 15 interviews before that and got dinged on everyone at various stages of those processes while still working the, the investment banker is nine to five, right? The 9 a.m. to 5 a.m., Be mildly facetious. But like, that's that was my experience. But if I had actually took a step back and said, beforehand, said, okay, these are the things I need to do after investment banking or while I'm in investment banking to make sure I make that transition, oh, it would have, oh, my life would have been so much easier. Oh, my God. Like, I wish I had thought about that. Also, again, and I, I kind of, I, I say this over and over, I didn't figure it out until probably like nine months into my investment banking experience. But before you start, have the goals that you want to achieve within banking. Write them down. When you sit down with your staff or who give you your projects, you say, what do you want to work on? Tell that individual, hey, Based upon your goals, these are the things you want to work on. Really dive deep. Learn. Learn as much as you can. Like Robert Smith he said this like, very poignant point when he spoke. I can't remember when this was, but he said, hey, if you really want to be a billionaire, you have to become a master at something. You're 10,000 hours. You have to put it in. And you have to put that in quick. You have to learn as quickly as possible. This isn't a 30-year thing. This is, I'm grinding into the hours of the night to figure that out. You shouldn't just go through the motions while you're there. You should seek to master them because those are skill sets that you're going to carry with you that people are going to expect you to be able to execute based upon your experience at that role.
0: Oh, great point. So one, really focusing on on that particular skill set, and then two, going in with like a five-year plan, Mm -hmm. not just a two or three-year plan for Mm post-MBA. If you could think back and kind of give some of the advice to veterans falling behind you, especially about your career path or in the in the army or some of the other things you did, is there anything that you would do differently, whether it was say your engineering track or, you know, the time that you spent in outreach or whether you decided to be an air defender, like when should people start thinking about that? And then anything that you would change about your career path to be more geared in that direction? So a few
1: things. I would have majored in computer engineering, I think, as well as at the academy. Dude, the problem with trying to get into technology as an econ major is I am non-technical. Everyone you engage with will be technical. It is a steep learning curve and requires you to go deep, 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 deep into the weeds. If you can speak the language, man, you are already... uh, like a step in the door and you want to have that technical background. I absolutely. I would have gone back to 19-year-old Jerry and say, dude, like, look, man, like save yourself the heartache. And the good thing about that is like you can go from like being in the army and being as long as you have that computer engineering background or software engineering background and go to business school and still do your thing. Or you can continue to pursue whatever engineering you want. Or you can start your own company, a startup. And guess what? You have the aptitude now to look at the code to say this doesn't make sense or at least think strategically from a technical standpoint. And if you don't have the background, it takes time to learn. I still would have gone air defense. I think it was a great, great experience. If I would give advice to any young uh, lieutenant, focus on your soldiers. Focus on being a good platoon leader. There will be a point Where it's time to transition to, okay, what do I want to do after the army? But if you're a brand new second lieutenant trying to do informational interviews about investment banking, if you reach out to me, I'll be like, why are you doing this? Because you're in the army now. Your focus should be on America's sons and daughters. It's not fair to them for you to have a completely separate focus away from developing yourself as a junior leader. Focus on your soldiers. Because the more you do that, the better officer you are, the better bullet points you'll have on your resume where it it comes time to leave, or to go to business school or whatever type of school. Focus on your soldiers. I would do outreach in, in, in every single version of the multiverse. I would always choose to do outreach. It was the best job I ever had in the Army, save maybe being a platoon leader. I loved it because it was, it was just so moving to watch these kids go from high school students to candidates, watch them struggle through the process, help them along, help talk to their parents, get to know their families. Then watch them graduate and come to the academy and then help mentor them while they're there. And then in some cases, watch them graduate and become officers. And it it's just, it was a moving experience. Getting Flying out and giving some kid his uh, acceptance letter and then watching them break down to tears. That's like, you have changed somebody's life in a non-trivial way. I'll never forget that experience. It, it's probably... Whatever they're spending as a budget there is like, it's so worth it, man. It's so worth it. So many kids' lives change as a result. And also at the core, keep your head up. Like Especially as just a Black person in general, the world tends to tell you over and over again that you're not enough or you're not doing it and or you're just, you're taking L's the world tells you that all the time. You need to tell yourself otherwise. The voice in your head that's positive has to drain out the negative. And I'm going to really drive this home. Every day before I went into investment banking, I literally looked myself in the mirror. I said, Jerry, you can do this. Every day, you've got you to speak over yourself. You've got to. Otherwise, you can get swallowed up by this this gigantic machine that is just in general, the industry and just the private market get swallowed up. So just positive mental attitude is what it comes
0: down to. Yeah, I was one of the best career recommendations you gave me, Jerry. I Mm -hmm. think I was a first lieutenant. I'd done my deployment. We were getting after it in Germany. And you're like, look, man. (laughs) <laughs> be a, be a, you know, an aid to camp, you just go to outreach and like figure it out. And I was like, yeah, you kind of right. And that was, a uh, now I get my, you know, my candidates, now they've graduated, they're lieutenants and captains. And they're like, yeah, you know, sir, I, th- I think I want to do this or think I want to get out. And you're like, I've seen you come through a, like a mighty long way. Like, it's, it's good to see it. It's good to it's see it. It's beautiful, man. I, I love it. I love seeing those love
1: kids, those young kids get educated achieve what they, their goals and what they want to do, man. It is just so beautiful, man. It's so beautiful for me. And then they go on, like you in your case, go on to do it for the next generation and so on and so on and so on. Just warms my heart, man. Warms my heart.
0: Just paying it forward, man. Trying to be like you. Um, On that note, uh, are there any ways where people can connect to learn more about your story, whether that's on social media or like initiatives that you're working on, anything like that? Um, yeah, so I think, I think there are two
1: ways here. So one, always ping me on LinkedIn. I think I'm the only Jerry Barnado in the entirety of LinkedIn. If not, then I'm the only Jerry Varnido I on to West Point. I promise you that. So ping me on LinkedIn, happy to talk. If you are a startup founder and you're looking for funding, ping me and we'll have a conversation as well. I focus mainly on software companies Right, mainly B2B, but you know, B2C is fine too. SaaS companies are great. I love marketplaces and platforms as well. But even if you are not, I'm happy to give you feedback on your pitch deck. I'm happy to give you feedback on your overall product strategy, on your growth and value hypotheses, and the way you're approaching the market, on your metrics, on how you should be thinking about them, and how you should think about pivoting if necessary just please feel free to use me as a resource because there just aren't enough of us out there and sometimes you
0: just don't know what you don't know oh yeah, well, great stuff we'll be sure to, to share those links definitely post it and uh, we, we appreciate your time all the great nuggets and as always I appreciate you know your mentorship as your protege for sure but man I love you to death
1: I, I just appreciate you having me here and I'm just happy to see you be successful as you are